Distro hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. My name is Tony. I live in the northwest of England. And I am Dale. I live in northeast Ohio. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest. We love checking distros out, new distros, new versions of older distros, and even some we may have overlooked. We each have our preferences in complexity, or desktop, or package management. Perhaps we can help you find a new distro, or better understand one which has piqued your curiosity. The idea of this podcast is that we will each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three or four weeks, and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials and tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. Tony and I prefer to look at distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. While I tend to take on the more advanced distros and give them a go. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we will also divulge what hardware we are using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest, Episode 25, recorded on August 18th, 2021. Tony's not going to be with us today. This episode, Dale is taking on Netrunner 21.01-XOXO, and I'm doing Bodhi Linux 6. We're happy to receive suggestions of distros you'd like us to try. Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what we did this month. Life has been in turmoil since last show. School has started up again, but I'm not over with all my summer appointments yet, so I'm turning down a lot of assignments. I've been falling behind on my other work, but I think I finally caught up with the articles on itsmoss.com, and most other things are falling into place. I haven't missed a week on Full Circle Weekly News. Some things are getting easier, but I'm just stressing more, which doesn't help. I did get the money to buy a T540, which might show up later this week. I'm getting it from Owen Peary, who does the audio for Mintcast. I've been having an interesting issue with the Zia 800, which causes it to not boot unless I have a USB stick in one of the USB 2 slots, but it's working with that workaround. All the things I thought I knew about Grub and all the things I've been able to look up or have been referred to me so far have failed to fix the issue. A reinstall of something is in my future. I used the experience to reduce my partitions on the Zia 800, as well as used RescueZilla to make a complete copy of my SSD. I still need to learn how to make a copy of a single partition as an ISO, but I'll take the success I've had for now. What's going on with you, Dale? I have been continuing my hermit lifestyle while at home. So, in computer-related news, I finally got around to installing the drivers and the software support for my Razer Sendoza V2 RGB membrane keyboard. I bought it back in December of 2020, and it's been cycling through the, uh, the rainbow of colors since then. Now it's just a static red color, which is, you know, fine for me. I like a static color. And uh, red's good on your eyes when it's uh, dark in the room. I will be uh, writing a review for it on itsmoss.com in the uh, in the future. I started my next article for itsmoss also. It's uh, going to be on the origin of the graphical user interface. 
I already did a brief history of uh, Windows managers and desktop environments for the Mintcast podcast a few years ago. I'm thinking maybe two or three years. Time flies. So I was curious about how far back this uh, notion went. I'm shocked at how far it does go back. If you're curious like I was, then you'll have to uh, check out the articles. I will uh, let everybody know in the uh, messaging groups when that gets posted. Since Slackware released their uh, beta cycle of uh, version 15, I installed it on my uh, uh, Lenovo T430. I installed it on August 1st and had trouble getting the system to update. I uncommented the mirror sites to uh, try to update it in the uh, Slack package uh, config file. It uses uh, Slack PKG to uh, update it. Only to find out that I would get 404 not found error messages. I tried at least half the sites from multiple countries. Again on August 9th I uh, had some time uh, and I uncommented each one and tried it and I think all but two of them got a 404. The other two didn't even connect. They didn't even, you know, the uh, TCP IP connection timed out. And other than that, it has a 5.13 kernel and uh, other packages have been updated because it's been, you know, a good five years since they've uh, had a uh, release. It appears to uh, function and look the same from uh, what I can see. When I arrived home Saturday afternoon, I drove over to a guitar center to pick up my new audio gear. After getting some suggestions in the Mitcast uh, Telegram group the past month or so, I decided on a Rode PodMic and a Focusrite Scarlett Solo USB audio interface. Why is it mouthful? In uh, test recordings I did with Audacity, it appears to sound better at least to my ears. Well, let's move on to the updates. Updates, where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. This is going to be short. I haven't heard much about distros I've reviewed other than KDE Neon, which updates every week, it seems. There is a new version of Elementary OS out, but we've never reviewed that one. Dale? Well, mine's going to be a little bit longer, not as long as... uh... It has in the past because a lot of mine uh, I haven't found anything worth mentioning because some of them are rolling so it's it's hard to tell unless they have a change log or any updates in their news but in any case we're going to start off with the uh, the big announcement of uh, Debian 11 on top of it being their 30th uh, anniversary or they like to call it their birthday which was I believe August 14th I posted it in the messaging group, so I think that's what the date was. But Debian 11 had a huge update with too many features to name. The, uh, the high points are it is now using a 5.10 LTS kernel. 11,294 packages were added, and 59,551 is the current total available to uh, app-based uh, distros, and uh, 42,821 of these packages have been updated. So that's a good 70 70 or so percent of them, which is quite impressive, I think. They also have updated their desktop environments. 
Let's see, GNOME has got uh, 3.38. KDE Plasma is up to 5.20 uh, in their uh, press release, but it's specifically 5.20.5, which is amazing. They have that recent of a uh, Plasma in uh, KDE. But they've got LXDE11, LXQT0.16, MATE 1.24. And XFC 4.16, their LibreOffice got a big jump. It is upgraded to version 7. And I do want to make like a PSA because I feel this is kind of necessary uh, for uh, for Debian because of their, uh, their uh, FOSS you know, free and open source roots. I do want to make a brief comment about the ISO that they have available for downloading for their different spins and uh, their live disk and etc. Debian is an open source distro, so the default ISOs don't have any proprietary or commercial drivers in it. If you need such drivers for, that's mostly for uh, Wi-Fi and some touchpads and etc. You will need what they call the non-free firmware ISO, and what they mean by non-free is it's not open source. And I will leave a link for it in the show notes. And uh, the other. Uh, distro that I keep track of is Solus and last month they released 4.3 I didn't mention it because of Pop OS had their cosmic release and we had our own discussion uh last month on the show yeah we got all cosmic last month oh yeah we yeah we had our <laughs> eyes set on the stars that Woo-woo. that month starstruck so <laughs> So uh, they had quite a large update as well. It's actually on the order of um, Debian. But the uh, high points for them is they've got the uh, 5.13.1 kernel. Their Firefox is 89.0.2. LibreOffice is 7.1.4.2. Thunderbird is 78.11. They updated their desktop environments. Bungie is 10.3. 5.3, in case anyone doesn't know, they are the maintainers of the Budgie uh, desktop environment. They also updated it with some libraries to support GNOME 40. And in addition to that, they actually revved their own GNOME to 40, which is specifically 40.2. And they are also up to Plasma 5.22.2. So now we will move on to beautiful failures. Which is going to be a little shorter than even that last bit. Beautiful failures, what we tried and failed to install or run this month. My failures are all machine related, and as has already been discussed, we can move on to Dale. Well, other than installing this Slackware 15 beta, I haven't tried anything. I've been meaning to, but like I said, time flies. <laughs> so, in fairness, I can't call this a failure with the problems I experienced with it because it is a beta. So, I, I got got to be fair there, you know. Well, beta doesn't make any mistakes. Um, oh, sorry, that's data. Data. Uh, <laughs> Let's move ahead and get Dale's review of Netrunner 21.01-XOXO. Let's 
is highly illogical. Or is that Spock? That's Spock. Never mind. So, uh, this go around, I have Netrunner 21.01, the XOXO, which I think is the most odd code name, but okay, I'll go with it. As the name implies, I should be all huggy and kissy for this review. Maybe, or maybe not. We shall see. I think the XOXO is actually due to their February release, since Valentine's Day is observed during the month. And uh, in case some of you are not aware if this is an Americanism, um, usually XOXO means hugs and kisses. So... While searching for a distro to review, I found this one, and I actually found it kind of interesting due to uh, who maintains it. Netrunner is based on Debian 10, codenamed Buster, featuring the KDE Plasma de desktop, and is 64-bit only. It was released on March 18th of 2010 initially, and has the following uh, options for desktops and additions. Desktop, Core, Pinebook, and Odroid. Core is similar to Desktop, but has minimal applications installed. The Pinebook edition is a ARM64 IMG, specific to that. And the uh, Odroid is a ARM HF IMG, specific for the C1 and C1+. So if you have one of those, you know what that means. Netrunner is maintained by Blue Systems. They are a German IT company that employ many of the KDE developers. They have previously maintained the Kubuntu Linux distro and are actively maintaining or contributing to the Maui Linux, OpenDesktop.org, and Calamaris projects. They also sponsored the now discontinued KDE edition of Linux Mint, with the last version 19 being supported, if you do want to look at it. So my hardware. The laptop I used is my Lenovo ThinkPad T460. It is a Intel dual-core i5-6200U, 2.8 gigahertz CPU, has a 14-inch LCD, Intel HD Graphics 520, it has 16 gigs of RAM, and a 500 gigabyte SSD. So we have the uh, installation and issues. Blue Systems is using the Calamaris installer for Netrunner. It is very similar in appearance to other distros that use Calamaris. That is despite the fact that Calamaris is one of the most configurable installers available. I don't know why developers don't uh, take advantage of that. Especially these ones since they're the ones who maintain it. Yes, I'll be reiterating this fact in this review, <laughs> which is a good point, Moss. I mean, but uh, I don't have the inside details. So, as with other distros, if you connect to the internet in the uh, live USB, updates will be applied during the installation. And it also will try to detect your location so you don't have to find it on the map through uh, your IP address. Uh, it's regional, anyway. The regular questions of location, language, partitioning are shown. In the user creation screen, the login automatically, without asking for a password, is not checked by default, which a lot of distros seem to uh, default to that. The only issue I had during the install was with the Wi-Fi. This is due 
to the fact that they are using an old version of Plasma. The system tray icon for wireless networking has a tendency of not finding all the access points and it would also close the entry box while you're trying to type in your passphrase. Well, this has all been resolved in more recent versions of Plasma, so it's nothing to uh, file a bug report for. After my second attempt at entering my passphrase, I noticed it had already created a connection entry in the uh, network manager. So I just opened up the network manager and entered my passphrase into it, then was able to uh, connect through the uh, system tray icon. Once in the uh, install, everything was good. And when it was done, the uh, restart now was already checked, which is nice. And I clicked done and the laptop automatically rebooted. Okay, the post-installation hardware facts and issues. Well, no hardware issues were found on the uh, first boot of the installation. And as expected, the Wi-Fi passphrase was not retained from the installation, so I had to type it in again. At least this time, the entry box stayed open long enough for me to uh, type the passphrase. Kind of curious, I might search on KDE's site to see if anyone has ever suggested the idea of uh, retaining passphrases. But that's for another time. The ease of use. Netrunner, though based on Debian Buster, is not using the 4.19 kernel. Instead, they are using their own 5.9 kernel, which was later upgraded to uh, 5.10 during my uh, use of it. They're using the 5.14.5 version of Plasma, 18.08 of the KDE apps, 5.54 for the framework, and 5.11.3 for the QT. Now this is three years old, just to give you an idea. Granted, they are using Debian Buster as a base, since it was the current stable. That was the version that Buster had available. I was actually shocked by this, considering that Blue System employs many of the KDE developers. You know, the ones that have written and maintained Plasma. I would have thought they would have at least used 5.18, which is the uh, LTS for Plasma. This version was a great upgrade over the uh, previous ones, especially for the Discover app. It uh, no longer crashed randomly, which is good for something that updates your files, your you know, config your updates, and etc. And the Wi-Fi applet behaves now in the uh, system tray. Now, with all that said, the only big issue I initially had was the crash-prone Discover app. It is the GUI updating program used in Plasma by, by default. I resolved that problem by using Apper, A-P-P-E-R, which is another GUI updating application compatible with package kit management services that KDE uses. I believe Debian adopted it, OpenSUSE, and Fedora, I believe they have it available in their uh, repos. The default apps, like audio settings, the Wi-Fi, applet, clock and calendar, and the system tray are pretty much the uh, default among other uh, KDE distros. Notable additions in Netrunner are the, I think it's Yakawake. Uh, it's a drop-down terminal. I personally don't care for it, but I know many people like it. The other addition is the applet for Spectacle, which is their screenshotting uh, application. You can click instantly and get a full screens, uh, screenshot of your desktop to 
clicking on the uh, icon in the in the system tray. I'm really not sure how often people are going to need to do this, but it is very quick and easy to do in Netrunner. Well, so quick and easy that you may find yourself taking many unwanted screenshots of your desktop. Of course, this can be removed from the system tray, along with all the other uh, customizations that uh, Plasma offers. The versions and packages vary considering they are from the Debian Buster repo. For example, Firefox ESR, which is the extended service release, is at version 78.7. LibreOffice is 6.1.5-2, which is a full version um, older as the uh, most recent version of LibreOffice, according to uh, LibreOffice's website, is 7.1.5. And I did take a quick look at my Pop! OS, and they're using that version as well. Though keep in mind, in my opinion, that the newest versions aren't always the best. The versions available on Debian Stable Rebo are really rock solid. So if you need to get work done, it will not let you down. If you need more recent versions, you can always install and configure Flatpak or the uh, Snap service. Well, an interesting development occurred after the release of Debian 11, codenamed Bullseye, this uh, past Saturday. It replaces Debian 10, codenamed Buster, as the current stable branch of Debian. I turned on my T460 Tuesday to refer to it as I was finishing this review. I checked for updates using Apper and installed the updates. And I check again just in case some updates were held back due to depending on the uh, other updates needed to be installed. You know, dependencies. I saw it had an error. And it's kind of terse in the uh, in the thing. It just said it couldn't fetch it. I'm like, huh. So I opened up a terminal window and uh, type sudo apt update to see if I could get a more verbose uh, reason. I always use app when I have problems like this over app get because uh, app has a uh, automatic function of fixing issues with like a yes no format of uh, questions, which is uh, pretty nice for a command line uh, utility. I was notified that the release was updated and asked if I wanted to accept the changes. I accepted the change and ran the uh, command again. I was thinking it was the same message I had received on my two other Debian Buster computers, notifying me that Buster was now old stable, which is what they call the uh, previous stable. Considering Netrunner was using Buster, it made sense to me, so I just ran the update again. Though this time I had errors that one of the security repos was missing the release file. Now, a release file is just basically a file on the mirror site that describes the contents and the specific details of that repo, so app knows what you know that repo is for. I thought that was odd and looked at the Etsy apt sources dot list file that's slash etc slash apt apt slash sources dot list file we I always called it Etsy. I compared the sources dot list file to the one on my Debian Buster computer on one of them. I noticed that Blue Systems used the word stable instead of Buster, and that the security repo line on my Debian Buster had a different path. So I changed the Netrunner sources.list entry to match my Debian Buster. 
I did uh, search online. Apparently, uh, Debian did that for the uh, Debian 10 uh, release. The uh, the line is if you ever go in there, it's the uh, security line where it says security.debian.org. Well, it defaulted to just being the root where it just said slash. Well, Debian changed it to slash Debian hyphen security. Then Buster slash updates main contrib non free. Those are the categories that you want to have uh, security fixes for. Netrunners was the exception. It didn't have the Debian hyphen security path, as I said. The other entries in Netrunners source.list file use the release name of stable instead of buster. I thought to myself, that is odd. Debian moved Debian 11 from testing the stable, so Netrunner is going to pull from the stable repos. I'm going to do an apt upgrade, see what happens. You know, as the saying goes, what could go wrong? By this time, I was hungry. So I just typed sudo apt update to update the repo list and everything updated without any errors. I then type sudo apt upgrade dash y. And you put that after that. And it's not going to prompt you if you want to continue after it uh, sorts through uh, what's available to be updated. I came back a while later after eating dinner. I rebooted the laptop knowing, not knowing if it's going to reboot again. It booted, and I signed in to verify the versions of uh, everything. I checked the kernel and saw it was updated to 5.10. Then I checked the Plasma version, and it was 5.20.5. I checked the uh, release information. That's the uh, LSB underscore release dash A. And it shows Debian 11 instead of uh, Netrunner. I don't know if this was the Netrunner's uh, devs intended to happen, but it's what they have now. I upgraded the uh, Netrunner on my T430 that I used to test the uh, dual booting, and it successfully updated to Debian 11 as well. Keep in mind, I didn't do a dist-upgrade. All I did was a regular upgrade. It is pretty impressive that there weren't any package conflicts, which is what dist upgrade does to uh, mitigate that. I went back and tried the dist upgrade, and no updates were, were available. Now here's the interesting part. I read in the Netrunner forums some people were asking if they could do a dist-upgrade on Netrunner so that they could use the testing repos to get a newer version of Plasma since then Debian was using 5.20.5 in their testing branch. You know, this was, you know, before Debian 11 was moved out of testing and stable, you know, and released. The response every time was yes, you can, but it's not supported. Well, I looked at the Netrunner source files and they had commented out the testing repos. These were additional list files in the etc. apt sources.list.d forward slash, and then they had other source files listed. And they were all, you know, this had hashtags in front of them, which is what they use to comment out uh, those uh, lines so that app doesn't process them. And they even have a tutorial from 2016, so I don't know how 
accurate it is being five years old, but they did have at one time instructions on how to do this. I didn't see any comments in the forums, which makes me wonder. With two laptops that successfully upgraded to Debian 11, I can't be the only person that noticed this. Now, granted, I did need to know what repo line the uh, I needed to change in the sources.list file and what correct information to type in. Memory and disk use. On reboot, free-h reports 625 megabytes in use and 7.9 gigabytes of space on the SSD. I had to install HTOP, so I just did a quick sudo apt install HTOP, and it reported 636 megabytes. Ease of finding help. Blue Systems offer a uh, support form for Netrunner. I did look through the messages, but I did not seek out for any help, as I may now because of this odd upgrade path to uh, Debian 11. I might make a post and see what they have to say. They also have a nice installation guide on their website listed under the uh, support menu. It's uh, complete with pictures and and a lot of uh, descriptions. I also want to point out if you search for Netrunner in your favorite search engine, website, Bing, DuckDuckGo, etc., Google, I suggest including the word Linux in your search phrase as there is a card game called Netrunner. I'd never heard of it either. Plays nice with others. I installed Netrunner on my T430 where I installed the Slackware 15 beta. Both Netrunner and Slackware are able to boot with no problems. As a side note, Slackware is still using Lilo. Actually, in this case, it was eLilo for the uh, UEFI version. Grub listed eLilo as a Linux distro, oddly enough. I tried to uh, use eLilo just out of curiosity to see if uh, Grub hadn't clobbered it completely, and it no longer worked. Lilo is an acronym meaning Linux Loader. It is what was used to uh, load the Linux kernel during boot before Grub was created. On to the stability. I would not question the stability of the Debian Buster base of Netrunner. However, you are still going to have Plasma's paper cut issues from the uh, 2018 era of this 5.14 um, Plasma, which they've all been fixed in current versions, so like I said, there's no point in submitting bugs for stuff that's already been fixed. This is mostly due to Discover having some obscure app crashes, and the uh, crash reporter would pop up and it would never have enough information to uh, submit a report. Similar distros to check out, the uh, Debian using the non-free ISO with Plasma, and MX Linux uh, using their uh, Plasma spin. So for my ratings, I'm going to say the ease of installation for a new user is going to be 8 out of 10. That's Calamaris. It's pretty much click, click, click. You know, you're done. Experience users, I mean, it's just 10. Nothing to see here. Hardware issues is 8. And it's just because of the issues with the uh, the Wi-Fi applet in uh, Plasma. Not finding your uh, updates, or not your updates, but your, uh, your Wi-Fi uh, hotspot. The uh, ease of finding help, that's 10 out of 10. It's a nice form. And uh, documentation on their website's good. The uh, the ease of use, again, 
I'm going to say 8 out of 10. I mean, I know I've in the past I've harped on the uh, instability of Discover, but it really wasn't unfounded because I just, I, I don't know, I just think something that's updating your system should be reliable. You don't want it crashing. That's, that, I just don't see that as a good thing. And that plays nice with others is 10 out of 10. And stability, yeah, it's Debian as a base, so I'm just going to give it 9 out of 10. Only because of the issues of, uh, of the Plasma version. So an overall rating of 9. So my final comments is, uh, despite the paper cuts, this is a usable distro overall. I guess it would all come down to how much those paper cuts would bother you. It would be easier for some people to install uh, Netrunner compared to using the graphical Debian installer, which works fine, but it's not as flashy and straightforward as Calamaris. Netrunner with a Debian 11 base, however, is a great choice. It's a winner for those who like ease of use that uh, Calamaris provides and the updated packages that Debian 11 now offers, like Plasma 520.5 and uh, the uh, 5.10 kernel. It's a great combination. I will be keeping an eye out on this and find out if this was an unattended upgrade or an undocumented feature. So let's move on to Moss's review of Bodhi 6. Thanks, Dale. Bodhi 6, 64-bit. I had intended to review Linux Lite, a distro we haven't looked at in a couple years, but it would have taken about two minutes to review it, as it's just as good and just as unremarkable as it was then. I've been dodging reviewing Bodhi long enough. Most listeners know that I truly love this distro. I've tried but failed to use it for versions 3 and 4, and then succeeded with version 5 and have used it extensively since. Disclaimer, the development team considers me a team member by now, and I donate to this distro. There is no distro more beautiful, nor that works more differently. This distro will either make your workflow wonderful or disrupt it, no two ways about it. And while it looks like it would be terrific for new users, there are some pitfalls, many of them caused by exactly the things that make it wonderful. So let's get to it. This review is only of the 64-bit version, based on Ubuntu Core. The beta of the 32-bit version, based on Debian 11, was released yesterday, and I haven't looked at it. And I don't have any 32-bit hardware to look at it on. My hardware, I'm running this both on my System76 Kudu 3, i7, Intel graphics, 16 gigs of RAM, and lots of SSD, and my HP Zia 800, dual quad-core Xeons, NVIDIA graphics, 24 gigs of RAM, 512 gigs SSD, and a 1 terabyte hard drive. Other than having to adjust for my touchpad and battery on the Kudu, it runs about the same on each machine. Installation Ease and Issues I have always just used the standard version, aka minimal, but after watching a couple videos and seeing what they include in the app pack version, I have installed that on my Kudu. The installer is Ubiquity, the standard Ubuntu installer, so there are no surprises. The reason they don't use Calamaris is simply because it runs in Qt, which would make the packages significantly larger. If you use standard and want to use a printer, you will first need to run sudo apt install bodhi-printer before you actually install the printer driver. 
You don't need that instruction or many others if you install the full app pack version. Because this distro is so light, you will probably find settings you're used to finding easily in places you'd never guess they'd be, or even not find them at all. I've had to install Touchpad Indicator to get my touchpad to turn off. I'm still not sure I found a solution to boot with NumLock set to on. But when you get it loaded, you're greeted with a briefly animated GIF background, completely lovely if you like green. You can open the menus at any time, anywhere on the screen with a click. And not a right click. You have enough to get started if you use Standard, or more than you need if you use App Pack, and you'll find that your memory usage is still under 300 megabytes, and it's not difficult to get it lighter than that. This is the lightest distro you can find with a full desktop experience. If you don't want to use your standard screen resolution, you'll need to find the setting. It's under Applications, Settings, Monitor Settings. You will need to select it, apply it, and click the Moksha setting to save it. You can use Save As, but you will need to know how to set the file you create as the go-to file at boot. Not all of us do. The settings are unlike anything you've seen unless you have prior experience with Enlightenment. Moksha is a fork of E17, although it has been updated with features found in later versions of Enlightenment, and a lot of work has been done to make it more stable. Plus, it has been further lightened by removing the compositor aspects of E. The bottom line is, if Moksha works for you, you'll never want to use anything else unless you absolutely have to. But if it doesn't, you'll think it's the strangest thing ever and won't wait to switch away from it. Post-installation hardware facts and issues. After it's installed, anything you need should be available. The package manager is loaded through Bode Chromium, or you can use Synaptic or just use apt in the terminal. Even the terminal, named Terminology, is special, and it would take half an hour for me to tell you all the neat things. But the packages are just Ubuntu 20.04, and will be until after 22.04 comes out, resulting in Bode 7, so everything you can find for Ubuntu, you can load in Bodhi, and terminal commands are the usual apt commands. Snap has been disabled, but you can re-enable it if you choose. Flatpak is preferred, but it is not installed. Ease of use. Very few distros look or work anything like Bodhi. If something works the way you want it to in Bodhi, you will never be quite as happy using it anywhere else. If it isn't standard in Bodhi, you will need to look for help. I'm still looking for help on a few things, but this is my favorite distro, although I still go to Mint Mate when I absolutely need to get things done. I'll probably be repeating that later. Memory and disk use. It doesn't take much to get the memory usage at boot close to 100 megabytes, and even default should be under 300 megabytes. This is a light, light distro. On my Kudu, which has more apps installed than the installation on my Zia 800, Stacer reports that I'm using 11.8 gigabytes of disk space. Ease of finding help. There is a forum at linuxquestions.org, which used to be the main forum, but has been replaced by a new one on a user's site. There is a very active Discord group featuring the entire dev group, where you can get nearly instant help for anything you want or request new features. There is a Telegram group, which I started myself. This is a good group, extremely friendly and helpful and quite multinational. I spend a lot of time every day in the Discord group. The dev team is, however, small. There are two main devs, another working on Moksha, another working on themes, and the rest of the group is mostly for testing, suggestions, and documentation. We had a setback in early 2020 when lead dev Robert Wiley got COVID-19 pretty bad, and his recovery has been crucial in getting things done, which is why it took nearly a full year after releasing Ubuntu 20.04 to get Bodhi 6 out. 
plays nice with others and stability. This is Ubuntu underneath. That makes it stable and easy to get along with. Similar distros to check out. X-Lite. Uh, anything else with Enlightenment will be close. Ratings. Ease of installation. New user 8 out of 10. Experienced user 10 out of 10. Hardware issues 9 out of 10. Ease of finding help. Community and web 10 out of 10. Ease of use. Depending on how much you like it, 6 or 9 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. Stability, 10 out of 10. My overall rating is 9 out of 10, and I wish I could give it more. <laughs> Final comments. I say it a lot. This is my favorite distro. It is not what I go to when I need to get work done, but that's because I still don't know everything about how to make it work. And when you need to get work done, you need to know how you can do it as easily as possible. As I told Dale yesterday, you drive your Corolla to work and you keep your Lamborghini for driving for fun. I'm on the distro team because I love it, not the other way around. It's different and in just the right way for my use, but your mileage may vary. Let's move on to new releases. New releases since last episode from July 14th to today, August 18th. Live Rezo 12.21.07.17, Kodachi 7.8, IP Fire 2.25 Core 158, Kaizen 1.7, Garuda 2107.20, Nutix 21.07.3, Gparthead 1.3.1-1, Haiku R1 Beta 3. I tend not to list betas, but Haiku comes out so infrequently that I wanted to get it in there. GRML 2021.07, Artix 2021.0726, Seduction 21.2.0, OpenSense 21.7, Absolute 2021.0730, FreeSpire 7.7, they're still going, wow, 4M Linux 37.0, LACA 3.3, PC Linux OS 2021.08, Nitrix 2021.08.02, NST 34-12783, OSMC 2021.08-1, Elementary OS 6.0, Tails 4.21, Septor 2021.4, EasyNAS 1.0.1, Snarl 1.7, KDE Neon 2021.08.12, Maybox 21.08, Arco Linux 21.09.8, Fogolta 6.9-2021-08131, Debian 11.0.0, Bluestar 5.13.10, Debian Edu 11.0.0, Slackware 15.0, Release Candidate 1, Deepin 20.2.3, Zorin OS 16, Black Arch 2021-09-01, and Manjaro 21.1.0. Feedback. An email from Biku. Hello, Moss, Tony, and Dale. First of all, kudos for the... Kudos, sorry. Been playing on my System76 too much lately. First of all, kudos for this amazing podcast series. Really enjoying it. I'm a new listener from the West Coast of India to your podcast, as well as podcasts in general. I knew about podcasts earlier, but never gotten into listening to them. 
I lost my mom and dad recently, and this sudden loss plus loneliness, we were only three persons in our little family, have resulted in grief and depression, and the world of podcasts, mostly Linux-related, is now my only friend nowadays. You guys might find it strange, but podcasts have been my many escapes from the depression. Now coming to suggestion, I want you guys to try out Alt Linux. It's an independent distro from Russia. I've been using it as my daily driver for the past month or so, and I've really enjoyed it. For Moss, I'd recommend Alt Workstation GNOME or KDE with links. And what about Dale? He liked rolling and cutting-edge stuff, so I'd suggest Sisyphus branch of Alt. I'm not sure about his DE preferences, so I'll link all four variants here. And we've got Cinnamon KDE5, Matei XFCE. And finally, some bonus stuff for Moss, as he loves Enlightenment just like me. And he gave me a suggestion of Enlightenment on Slackware and Enlightenment on Debian. Bonus stuff for Tony, iHeartRadio on any Linux can be played without its own app. The first solution is simple, using Tizonia. The second one's a little bit difficult, but it'll work everywhere, and he's using StreamFinder for that one. Bonus for Dale, well, very belated birthday wishes, my friend. Keep up the great work, guys. Biku. What you got to say about that, Dale? Well, I have already replied to him, but I said, thank you for the email. I'm very sorry for your loss. I really appreciate all the thoughtful, detailed suggestions and the birthday wishes. As for my DE preferences, I like Cinnamon, XFCE, Plasma, and the Cosmic Shell extension for GNOME. I'm also looking at what GNOME is going to be doing with uh, GNOME 40. It is an improvement over 3.38, though not as good as Cosmic. Take care, Dale. And Biku's follow-up. Now that I know a bit more about your preferences, a couple of distro suggestions for you, Dale. Of course, it is likely that you may have already given these distros a spin, but just in case you haven't, he mentions Gecko Linux Cinnamon and Voyager XFCE. And my reply to, uh, to that uh, follow-up is thanks. I'll check them out. I haven't tried them yet. I've heard of Gecko, but I haven't heard of Voyager. I will have a good list of distros to look at now. Take care, Dale. I would like to add, Biku, that I too am sorry for your loss. I hope you're getting more support than just listening to podcasts. Okay, moving on. I get broken up since I just lost my mother earlier this year. Announcements Our next episode will probably be recorded somewhere around September 23rd, depending largely on Dale's schedule. For chatting with us further, you may choose to join our 22 users in Telegram, our 53 members on MeWe, or the 6 users on our new channel in Discord. Where can our listeners find you, Dale? I am at Dale underscore CDL on Telegram, Matrix, and Discord has the, I never know what to call this, pound sign, hashtag, number sign. Octothorpe. (laughs) (laughs) Octothorpe. I like that one. But it's a, I, I'm old school. It's pound sign nine four three three, and my email is dale underscore cdl at pm dot me. In older uh, episodes, I had my Gmail, which is still works, but I prefer the uh, the Proton address now. And we can hear Tony nearly every week on Mintcast, and you can contact him at distrohoppersdigest at gmail dot com. 
He is on Hacker Public Radio as host ID 338, on Twitter at TonyH1212, and TH at Mintcast.org. And you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Reach me as at Zyvola on Telegram, at Zyvola at hosttux.social on Mastodon, at Bardic Triad on Twitter, and my new email is bardmoss at pm.me, and find me along with Dale and Dylan at itsmoss.com. We would like to thank the Mintcast crew for the use of their mumble room. My work here has been supported by supporter Firecat and helpers SK Beans and John and Glasgow over sponsors. My sponsors is now closed and I had Cerulean turn my donations off. I am very grateful for all donations which I have received. Before we go, we would like to thank all those who have made this project possible, starting with the Mintcast crew for allowing us to use their Mumble server and Discord group. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use to record and edit the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel. Richard Stolman for the GNU Toolkit, and all those who have worked hard behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>